Welcome to the Clothed with the Sun daily podcast, our daily reading of the Gospel of the Day and a brief meditation. I am James Thomas. Today is Wednesday, June 7th, 2023, and it is the Wednesday of the ninth week of Ordinary Time. Today's Gospel reading is from the Gospel according to St. Mark. Some Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to Jesus and put this question to him, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us, if someone's brother dies, leaving a wife but no child, his brother must take the wife and raise up descendants for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first married a woman and died, leaving no descendants. So the second brother married her and died, leaving no descendants. And the third likewise. And the seven left no descendants. Last of all, the woman also died. At the resurrection, when they arise, whose wife will she be? For all seven had been married to her. Jesus said to them, Are you not misled, because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God? When they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but they are like the angels in heaven. As for the dead being raised, have you not read in the book of Moses in the passage about the bush, how God told him, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. You are greatly misled. Once again, I apologize if there's any flaws in this recording this evening. I'm out tonight. I'm actually uh, staying with a monastic community, getting some prayer in today and this evening. And uh, so I'm just using my cell phone to record the podcast. Uh, Don't also have the advantage of my little studio at home where I can kind of buffer the sound and all that kind of stuff, whatever that's called. Uh, Today... We have one of the many gospel readings about marriage. It's funny, I mean, first of all, you know, we can joke about if this woman marries all these brothers and everybody dies, you would think at one point one of the brothers would say, enough, I'm not marrying her. Little joke there. Uh, Of course, it's just a story, although I wonder if this kind of thing has happened. In the book of Tobit, a similar situation was happening. But it's funny to me, too, a little bit more of a serious note, that people think intellectual arguments can somehow take the place of divine revelation. Jesus is God. Jesus is truth. These people are using intellectual arguments to prove a point that they think is true. They think there's no resurrection. And so they come up with this scenario just to basically say, well, Jesus... Look how ridiculous this is. She married seven men. There's no way there could be a resurrection because then she'd be married to seven different men. And Jesus just just plows right through their arguments with the actual truth. Evidence from the Old Testament that these people who died are still alive with the Lord. And then going even deeper in a little teaching about marriage. And that's where I wanted to focus tonight in Pope John Paul's Theology of the Body This is a passage he often uses, saying, there is no marriage in heaven. We are like the angels. We don't become angels. 
but in heaven we are like the angels. There is no marriage in heaven. Pope John Paul used to say about religious priests and nuns, etc., that while marriage is a lofty vocation that points to heaven, it's the reality of religious life that these men and women are already living the life of heaven. In other words, they're already married to Almighty God, which is the ultimate calling of each one of us. So in this life, we either uh, already participate in it, and with our lives, we point to the bigger picture, the wedding banquet of the Lamb, or we live married life where we're living a uh, symbolic reminder of the wedding banquet of the Lamb, and there's so much good and so much beauty to that vocation as well. Uh, I've read a number of different books over the years, and, and well, use this knowledge in preparing couples for marriage, counseling people, etc., uh, regarding, you know, marriage, sexuality, relationships, of course, and studying theology of the body. You read a lot of these things, and I remember two books in particular. Um, one was, I mean, I'm, I guess there's three different books I'm thinking of. You know, one, one was just talking about St. Paul where St. Paul says it's better to marry than to burn in so many words. And the author is, and it's in line with Pope John Paul. I think it was a commentary on theology of the body saying, you know, that doesn't mean marriage is a substitute for lust. You know, you're burning with lust, so get married. And then your spouse is the recipient of all that. No, rather there's a maturity that happens in marriage. There's a commitment that happens. In other words, there's a, an enjoyment of the bond, but at the same time, there is a sacrifice. One gives oneself to another. Um, this other book I was reading was about uh, kind of like sex and relationship addiction and how when a person gets married, uh, ideally that's meant to help uh, overcome the, the sinfulness that, that many people experience. And the author talks about how so many men in our society today are just very selfish and the selfishness goes hand in hand with lust and promiscuity. I mean, you know, it's true for women as well, but he was talking about a, a certain man, you know, who's very lustful, but then he gets married and this isn't a man whose marriage fails. This is a man who really wants his marriage to succeed, but it's so difficult at first because while he's lusted after one night stands and images of women his whole life, now he's married to a real woman and there's a lot of sacrifice involved. And then children come along and then there's so much more sacrifice involved. And then ultimately what's going to happen is that he's going to mature. He's going to become less selfish. He's going to become more giving and, and realize, even if it's not ever explained to him in theological terms, still he's going to realize uh, what sexuality is for, what marriage is for, as he himself grows and matures. Uh, another book with a similar kind of a sentiment is Dr. Bars and Jordan Allman wrote a book together. Dr. Conrad Bars is uh, someone, one of my favorite authors I've read I think all of his books, but one, just because I haven't been able to find it yet. Uh, but he talks a great deal about the need for healing that we all have, especially in our relationships and how to go about that healing. Jordan Allman is a great spiritual writer, somewhat contemporary, and they wrote a book together once 
and this one section, it was mostly Dr. Barr's doing the writing, where he talks about what is the most mature man? What does the ideal man look like? And he says, the ideal man is a grandfather who just gives to his grandchildren, enjoys his grandchildren, teaches his grandchildren, just is able to pour himself out. And a lot of the lust in his life is gone. And now he's just this wise old sage who just gives and loves. And it's all very lustless. It's all very selfless. And he describes this person, but then a little bit later in the chapter, he says, but a priest could get there quicker. <laughs> you know, it doesn't, it doesn't have to take until old age. He says, you know, any, any man could get there quicker, but he says, typically for priests, they can get there quicker. However, one thing is missing, and that is a priest needs to have good, healthy relationships with women. He says the most mature man, more quickly getting to that point, would be a priest that is pure in his relationships with women, has good relationships with women, is very family-oriented. And this is sometimes something we sometimes see. We don't always see it. A lot of times with priests, there's an immaturity. Entering celibate life is like an excuse to not have to mature and not have to learn manners and self-care and all these kinds of things. And we see all kinds of disasters happen with that. Um, but there's a lot of priests out there as well that are very mature on a human level, in addition to spiritually growing close to God, but also growing in human relationships. We are all called to both. We're called to a deeper relationship with God, and we're called to deeper relationships with one another that require sacrifice. Anyway, the point I'm trying to make here, which is also the point that Jesus is making in this very revelatory and profound gospel reading about how we are all called basically to marry God, is that every, and this is something that Pope John Paul talks about so much in his Theology of the Body, that every single human being is called to be a spouse. This is the way our hearts were made. So in having a human spouse, there's a mediation of that love through that other person. Through religious life, there's a more direct expression of that spousal love. But regardless of how we do it here on earth, this is what we're preparing for in heaven. Recently, I gave a sermon on heaven, and it's so good to understand where it is that we're meant to go, what our home really looks like so that we can get ready for it. Heaven is a place of pure selflessness. And that's the joy. The joy is that we're just endlessly being loved because we are endlessly loving one another. The bond that we have with one another, that ability to be endlessly selfless towards one another, comes originally from that spousal relationship with God. Pure worship. We have to learn how to worship. And our churches and our parishes are falling apart because we don't worship. Even when we get together for Mass, it's horizontal. Even when we get together for liturgies, it's all about me and what I want and what's going to make me feel good. And we, we focus on each other and we've forgotten how to worship. We don't worship. So we have to practice worship because that is the fulfillment of our spousal role, our spousal hearts. God made all of our hearts with lots of emptiness in them, which can cause us some pain in this life, 
but it's because he's the only thing that can fill it. Christopher West, who talks a great deal about Pope John Paul's Theology of the Body, he teaches classes and he's written some great books. Uh, He has some great stories about his own marriage that he shares in the open, just talking about how, you know, he and his wife, they're great people. They have a great marriage. I've met them both. They're wonderful people. Um, But he says how his marriage didn't really become good until both he and his wife learned and, and this is just true for everybody. This is so profound. Your marriage on earth becomes good when you realize that your spouse is never going to satisfy you. In other words, our hearts were made for God. As St. Augustine says, Lord, you made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. That's not just about heaven. That's about here on earth. So a married couple here on earth, when they realize only God can satisfy my heart, then they turn to God. And then they have so much more to give their spouse. And then there's so much more satisfaction that comes from the spouse because they're giving. They're both giving. This mutual self-giving and all that ability to give comes from God. And then they're receiving so much because of all the giving that's going on. And that's how heaven works. So heaven is the wedding banquet of the Lamb. It's an endless wedding between ourselves and God. God fills us. God satisfies us because we have first learned how to worship him. We learn how to love God and then love our neighbor. So we are bonded to almighty God. And then there's this overflow of love between uh, the rest of us. This is what our hearts were made for. We have to learn this. You and I were made to be spouses. So because you're made to be a spouse of almighty God, it's natural to want to be a spouse to the opposite sex in this world. That's also how God made us. He made the marriage in this world and our desire for it to point to and prepare us for the wedding banquet of the Lamb. And like I said, you know, there's different ways to live that here on earth. There's different expressions of that. Some are more direct, some are more indirect. But it's so important for us to know that you and I were made to be a spouse because so many people don't know who they are. So many people don't know what they were made for and what's going to bring them happiness. They think having a new car is going to bring them happiness. Yeah, it's kind of cool the first day, (laughs) first month maybe, I don't know. People think their clothes are going to bring them happiness or whatever, their their education. You make that extra money, you buy that extra house, you get that boat, then you're going to be happy. You ever notice the most miserable people on the highway are the people with the most expensive cars trying to prove something? cutting you off, almost getting you in an accident, sometimes actually causing accidents. So the only thing that will make us happy, the only thing that will fulfill us is Almighty God, because our hearts were made to be spouses of Almighty God. And there's so much else in the Bible. The whole Bible is filled with this imagery from Genesis to Revelation, that we were made for the wedding banquet of the Lamb. And when we know this, then, you know, I mean, for myself... One thing, I mean, there's so many things that I like to study, that I like to work on for myself. One thing that was so helpful was to learn, was to read the book, The Five Love Languages, and now to just practice this, to practice this with the people I'm very close with, but also to practice it with just everybody, learning it. We, you know, heaven is, is, uh, you know, I don't mean to sound 60s here, but like, you know, they talk about free love, a big love fest. I mean, it's not like that. It's not like an orgy, but it's, 
Heaven is meant to be a place where there's just endless loving going on and endless satisfaction because of all the love. And I, I think about that as I walk around now and I just think like, all right, this person over here, I want to talk to them. How can I talk to them? Okay, well, there's five love languages. So you try different things. I mean, you don't run up and, and you know, one of them's affection. I can't go around hugging everybody. But maybe certain people in my life, I do <laughs> come out of my comfort zone and give a hug here and there. But to spend time, to give a compliment, to notice things, these are, these are all part of it. There's so many ways that we can just keep learning how to love each other, to give in that spousal way. And then uh, it all comes back to us. God can't be outdone in generosity. Anyway, so we should all take great joy in knowing who we are what we're called to, and just keep trying to live that better and better. This is what's going to bring us true joy. This is what fills us with the Holy Spirit. And Our Lady is the ultimate example of all these things. The daughter of the Father, the mother of the Son, the spouse of the Spirit. Because she's the spouse of the Spirit, she's able to be the mother of the Son. Because she's the mother of the Son, now she's the mother of us all. Because he became our brother. So... You know, in her vocation, she lives this. She is the ultimate bride here on earth and ultimately in heaven in the wedding banquet of the Lamb. <clears throat> and so we learn from her how to be that spouse, how to give of ourselves 100% so that we can fulfill our divine vocation that we were given. Hope everybody has a great day today. God bless you. Talk to you again tomorrow.